Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right, all right. I'm very excited today. Our special guest is Yinyi So, the co-founder of Avana. For those of you who don't know, Avana is a social commerce enabler platform providing an integrated D2C and reseller selling solution for social media channels. Thank you very much, Yinyi, for being here with me. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So what I always ask every single founder is I'm always fascinated into the origin story. So take me back. What is your founding story? How did you come up with the idea in the first place? Well, my my experience is um, quite interesting. Um, so I, I'm based out of Malaysia. So some 10 years ago, uh, when I was back in college, we had um, something, something called blog shops. So basically what people would do would start a blogger or WordPress account and then they will upload clothes or items they want to sell and then that would be their sort of uh, digital storefront. So this was, you know, um, pre your Shopee, Lazada days in Southeast Asia. Um, Building a website was very costly and often very technical. So a lot of people just kind of went to blogs to start selling Now, that got my interest because as a college student, I was always looking for the latest trends to wear. And um, back then in Malaysia, we didn't have a lot of fast fashion brands in the malls. So this caught my interest because the selection was huge. Number two is it's really affordable. And number three, of course, the convenience, right? I could shop whenever. I could have it delivered to my house. And that was basically the start of my e-commerce journey. Now, I found something that um, there was a big gap and sort of like bothered me, which is while there were many blog shops, I can't find a place where I could kind of see them all. So what I did was I built an online shopping aggregator. So I actually pulled the feed of each of these blog shops. So imagine it like a very primitive um, Facebook, Instagram feed where you could see like the different updates from different online stores. And this this made me build an an online community, got to know a lot of the business owners and they were actually my peers in college and, you know, um, the neighborhood colleges, right? So I was very interested because I was like, hey, how do you guys do this? How do you set this up? And then, you know, I really love what you sell. And I got to know that while it was all fun from the outside, the challenge most of these business owners were facing is that, it's not sustainable because um, if they were to scale, it would be very expensive uh, to build out an online storefront. Um, Social was becoming a thing, but there was no way to kind of convert. You could only market on social media channels. So that that gave me an idea was like, hey, you know, there's this gap here. I know the community and I think there is an opportunity to fix it. 
So it was then that I met my co-founder. Uh, my co-founder uh, is an aerospace engineer, but he also dabbled in building custom e-com solutions. So we decided to solve this problem, and that's how we started Avana. Very cool. Very cool. I, I love the founding stories where somebody actually experienced the problem themselves and then got encouraged or got passionate about creating a solution around it. So let, let me ask you, when you were doing this initial build, were you actually programming the, the, the aggregator and all of that? Are you a technical founder yourself? No, unfortunately, this is the one skill I do not have, um, but I could understand, I guess, in today's terms, the UX, the UI uh, that was relevant. Um, and I got some friends help to help me build like an initial aggregator site on uh, WordPress. And from there, you know, kind of tweaked it here and there with different plugins, you know, kind of trial and error to get it to what I wanted. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So let's 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 fast forward it. So when you're starting to try and onboard your first client, so how did you actually go about onboarding and getting people to put the faith in you and to 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 get your first customers? So I guess because it was quite a natural progression from the aggregator to a solution. So our first customers came from my online aggregator. So I already built this community. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, now that you're marketing on Facebook, why don't you try selling on Facebook? So Facebook shop was actually our first um, feature that was built out. We built a product catalog within Facebook. This was back in 2016 before Facebook had their shop solution. Um, we built out a card and you could kind of add to cart, check out all within the Facebook page itself. So at that point, Facebook pages were, were the default social landing page for most businesses that got a lot of traction. And that's how we got our first customers. Okay. Now I'm, I'm imagining this has evolved quite a lot since then because the explosion of social media, the entrance of new types of social media platforms and so on and so forth. How has this driven the evolution of your product and how has it adjusted the way that you have to acquire customers? Now for us, um, we have always been in a position where we want to be an enabler solution so we understand that um, with more and more social media channels coming about, the way that people are using these channels also evolve for us is how can we um, not disrupt the natural flow, but instead enable conversions to happen on those channels. So we've since added channels like Instagram, WhatsApp, marketplaces, and upcoming TikTok to the mix. And um, most merchants come on board maybe needing one or two solutions, but when they come on board, you know, uh, we are able to automate conversions on those channels. They begin to explore more channels that we can connect and therefore growing their customer base and growing their sales. Okay. And are you currently in Malaysia only or have you expanded internationally as well? So we started in Malaysia and then uh, we've expanded to Indonesia. We have a local team in Indonesia as well. Um, we want to focus on Southeast Asia because the, the social commerce usage is very high. And we believe that, you know, with majority businesses coming from Indonesia and then there's also some homogeneity, uh, we believe that we can help a lot of the Indonesian local businesses with our solution. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious, when you, when you look at the different social media platforms, is there a clear dominant channel or is it pretty dispersed? 
I guess like in in Southeast Asia, um, you know, WhatsApp is really king. You know, we use it for work, we use it for our personal communications. Um, but beyond that, I think in the respective countries, they have uh, they have a clear winner. For example, Malaysia is Facebook, Indonesia is Instagram, and then in Philippines, uh, Viber and Messenger uh, is taking precedent over the other channels. Okay. And I guess TikTok now is pushing big into social commerce as well. How do you view uh, their entry into the market? Yep, yep. So TikTok has definitely, you know, kind of came like a tsunami, right? <laughs> like uh, just suddenly here, um, they've, they've definitely done a lot for their go-to-market. I guess like um, from my point of view is there will always be a newer, cooler social media channel or solution uh, every now and then. Um, but I guess why why TikTok is relevant now is because um, they have explosive success uh, in China and then uh, ByteDance and then um, it kind of spread to the rest of the world. Short form videos that enable conversions directly has been something that I think all social media platforms have been trying to win. Um, now they have, I mean, they've built the solution out quite well. But I would have to say that it does cater to a certain niche audience, maybe the younger audience, where they are more prone to watch um, live content. Um, where else, maybe I'm a bit old school, but I still prefer, you know, reading, um, you know, kind of still scrolling through feeds versus short form videos. There is a customer for every platform and there's a customer segment for every channel. So let me ask you, when when you what level of visibility do you have into the transactions that happen? Do you do you have an understanding of who the end customer is that's that's purchasing from the custom, from the business that you're enabling? Um, we have uh, an overview of the categories um, of uh, products that are being sold by Avana. So pre-COVID, um, definitely the the categories that do the uh, do well is fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. Rightfully so, because people go on social to see beautiful products. Um, since COVID, I think it has shifted a little with the disruption in the supply chain. People are um, a bit more health conscious. So products that, um, that are basically uh, health, uh, cleanliness, and also lifestyle products that make working from home um, easier, uh, that begin to trend um, higher now, we are sort of in a post-COVID lockdown situation. So we see fashion and beauty coming up again. Uh, however, the products in uh, health categories have remained strong. Uh, people are still buying and people, um, it's, it's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And get, tell me a little bit of detail about your typical customer. Are they generally SMEs or do you have social media influencers in the mix as well? So, um, yes, you're right. Uh, we do have social media influences because that there is a very strong product market fit. They already have the followers. They already have the engagement. Now, it makes sense for them to just turn it on as a conversion channel. So now, um, with all this engagement, they can now also sell directly to their fans and followers. Uh, for SMEs, uh, we typically cater for brand owners. So how we classify SMEs, there are traders and they are uh, brand owners. So traders are typically uh, businesses um, that sell on marketplaces. For them, it's more about margin, about volume. Where else brand owners tend to curate their social feed. Uh, they tend to have loyal customers and 
either they start off as an influencer or eventually the founder becomes somewhat of an influencer for introducing the product or brand into the market. Okay. Okay. And how do you manage the go-to-market strategy, the marketing efforts, the sales efforts in order to reach them? Because it seems like, you know, SMEs is 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 a pretty challenging, but I guess brand owner starts narrowing it down quite a yep. bit. How do you how do you approach that? Yep. So with brand owners, I think some of the key criteria where it has a strong product market fit is their social media presence. They are already online. They've built their presence and following. So um, digital marketing works for us uh, to be able to kind of narrow down and filter the brand owners. So that is um, that is one of the channels. The other one is definitely partnering up with uh, influencers that that have this engagement. Um, so influencers typically they are also some sort of ambassador for different brands. And then when they've seen some success, they want to become brand owners themselves. And that is where we you know we find the right fit with them. Have you seen in Southeast Asia, because I know in, so, in some markets like the US, you've started seeing influencers having their own talent agencies behind them. Have you, have you seen similar in Southeast Asia? And has that made a go-to-market strategy for you somewhat more straightforward of going straight to the management co, for example? Um, yes, we, we, have, uh, we have that as well. I think especially with the mega KOLs, they usually have a a management agency that backs them that you know kind of curates their their brand personality and approach but typically with mega influencers they are good for driving awareness uh, we find that macro influencers drive conversions better so with macro influencers they are typically um, self-managed uh, or they maybe they have a close friend or like a not so much of a management agency, but maybe a PA or a manager that helps them kind of book the deals. So we work with this tier of influencers instead. Okay. Okay. So t- tell me, tell me, uh, getting a, getting into kind of the customer success side of it. Can you can you tell me a story of a customer, for example, that has seen success and growth due to the usage of your product? Okay, so um, we have this uh, we have this founder. She sells uh, headscarves. So headscarves, because Malaysia, Indonesia being a Muslim country, uh, it's one of the popular categories. So she did this part time with her husband. Uh, started as a husband and wife business, uh, where they used to source wholesale and then sell online uh, under their own brand name. So as their business grew, um, they needed something to manage the inventory and orders because doing it on pen and paper or Google Sheet doesn't cut it anymore. So when we introduced Avana to them, they already had some social following. So they could build out their Facebook store and also a web storefront. So D2C channels. So immediately they, they could manage the inventory, collect payments via payment gateway, and then kind of ship uh, via the connected logistics. So it was very organized. It was automated. That helped them save a lot of operational hours. Then they focus more on branding and marketing. So as the business grew, as their margins grew, they were able to um, introduce and manufacture their own line of headscarves. And then fast forward, they've been with us since day one. Uh, Fast forward to now, they have a team of close to 20 people and they are launching new products every every two weeks and it's been growing. And um, with the reseller component, so reseller is is a big social commerce component in Southeast Asia. 
So typically, when a D2C brand grows to a certain stage, the founder is somewhat of an influencer, their followers and um, customers actually want to help them sell to their friends and family. So they earn a commission, something like your affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. And we've built out those tools and features in our platform. Um, so they are now utilizing them, utilizing that as well, you know, growing their community, community of buyers and also enabling them to earn additional income on top of that. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Do you what do you see a pretty low churn rate when customers come on board? Do they have a tendency of sticking around? Um, so I think this this has a few factors, right? So number one is not every brand owner that um that starts online wants to maintain online. So mm. maybe um especially with COVID, we saw that there was an initial rush to go online quickly because that was the, the only way you could sell. But then post lockdown, everybody kind of went back to their old ways. That's one. Number two is some people are just comfortable where they're at. So they might try this out and then decide that it's okay. I just want to maintain where I'm at. Maybe just one channel versus multiple channels. Now, those that I guess um, are brand owners that are looking to scale, those are the ones that... Um, will continue to retain and grow via our platform. Uh, they give us tremendous feedback that helps us kind of shape our product roadmap as well and introduce features that actually help them grow and the rest of the, our customer base to grow as well. Okay. Okay. And so looking forward, how do you see the evolution of social commerce? Are there features that you need to add? What does the future hold for social commerce? I think social commerce became um, more prevalent in the in the recent months, right? I think there were a couple of uh, papers that were released by Accenture and the like, seeing the potential of it. Now, of course, social commerce has many components and everybody's trying to define it in different ways. For us, um, we take the stand that uh, is an enabler platform. And with that, we believe that um, number one is to add on more sales channels. Because like I mentioned earlier, you know, there will always be a new contender and there will always be cooler features when, and newer formats. Now it might be short form live videos. In future, it might be maybe AI, maybe AR. We're not sure yet, right? So always adding new channels. Now, number two is definitely um, going deep into what we've already built. So we've built a lot of uh, surface layers in terms of how we are helping uh, merchants to convert. The next step is, can we automate it further? Can we introduce uh, machine learning? And how can we take out this operational time and cost uh, for our merchants? Okay, okay. <laughs> So let, let me shift gears a little bit because we, we're, we're talking about, we've talked about the kind of the go-to-market strategy, building the mm -hmm. customers, where it's going, but it takes people to build an organization. It takes people to go out there and sell. So I'm, I'm always curious when it comes to the talent side, yep. how did you go about building your initial team? Um, so yeah, definitely it's, especially running a startup, you know, uh, back then when we started in 2016, social commerce wasn't even like a term people use. It was, it was quite hard to explain kind of like what our vision was. Um, but I guess um, how we sought out talent was really people who were resourceful. And um, people who were resourceful have uh, the basic level of skills, 
And most importantly, especially for me, is one critical component is that you have empathy for brand owners. Having that empathy makes a huge difference because if you don't have experience in this in this industry, for example, you've never sold online, you've never became a reseller, you might not understand their struggle. Now, because I built an online community in the early days, I know what it takes to source products, take the photos, edit it, put in, you know, like cool captions, marketing it, finalizing the sale. It's not as easy as it seems. Even up to today, you know, the steps are still there. It's just that we have more tools to automate it. Now, having that empathy helps us design better products, give better um, service level to, to the merchants because this is their bread and butter. If our platform doesn't help them or our platform doesn't function the way it should, then basically it harms their business. So every dollar and cents counts for them. So whether they're a small merchant, they're a big merchant, this is their business and they have to pay their employees as well. So having that empathy was and still is one of the one of the key criteria that we look for um, in our talent pool and in our team members. I, I love that. Resourcefulness and empathy. I, I, I love the combination of those two. How big is your team size currently and how, do, how spread apart are they? Where, what geographically meaning? Um, so our team is about uh, 80 plus, uh, about half in Malaysia and the other half in Indonesia. So we have local teams in both countries. Okay. I'm curious, when you set up the Indonesia operations, how do you go about establishing that initial team? Um, so we, we worked with a partner initially. Um, so we, we partnered with uh, a, a party that we know, uh, someone that we could trust. And uh, that, that partner actually helped us to find our first, I guess, like pioneer hires um, that helped set up the company, get the lay of the land, kind of understand like um, what the local market needs. And then since then, we've, we've grown. Uh, and then I guess like we've also outgrown the initial team members as well. Uh, because Indonesia is a huge market, right? So uh, Malaysia is the size of one of their cities. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, just, um, it's just very interesting because there's so many different cultures, so many different, different types of needs and uh, people there. So up to today, we're still learning and then we're still, we're still adjusting um, to, to meet the needs uh, of Indonesian brand owners. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear all the time, you know, Indonesia is obviously a huge market, but there's always a conversation around how do I enter into a new market? What do I do? What does it take? So I'm curious when you established this partnership, was it a commercial transaction oriented or was, did it become like an equity partner to where they joined you in the actual business? Um, so this was, uh, this was a transactional uh, partnership. So it was was purely for business. Uh, it just so happened that we got connected to someone uh, that we could trust and have, and is also doing business there that complements us. So then we could we could kind of start off with like, hey, you know, we have an initial base of customers or potential customers to work with. And then we kind of, you know, grew from there. And then after that, we went on uh, to grow independently from the partner. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Let me shift gears again here and, and start talking about def the definition of success for the organization. So when you look forward and planning out for the next year or more, how do you define success for either the product or as an organization? 
Um, so for us, uh, at the end of the day, we are a product company. So for us, we want to be the number one social commerce enabler in Southeast Asia. We recognize that um, the way Southeast Asians uh, define social commerce is very unique. This buying and selling behavior might not be present um, in other regions. So we believe we have a strong foothold coming from an enabler point of view. Um, we've built the base. We've built a very strong base. And uh, for us is how can we penetrate more uh, Southeast Asian countries and offer the solution to more brand owners. Okay. So when you set that sort of ambition, is there a key metric that you're tracking? Is it number of countries? Is it number of uh, businesses onboarded? Is it the number of transactions done via your platform? What is, what is the key metric that, that helps you track your success? Um, so for us, is a number of uh, brands onboarded and also uh, their transaction growth from when they join us and then well, we track usually um, after they join, what is their growth rate month on month or quarter on quarter. So that helps us uh, have an idea of how healthy their business is and what is the impact of our solution for them. Awesome, awesome. And how many customers do you have on board at this current moment? Um, so total brand owners using us uh, because we have a freemium model is about uh, roughly 120k. 120k, and that and that includes the free members, yeah. Yes, yes. And out of the paying, are 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 you able to tell me that? Not at the moment. Oh, okay, it's okay. It's okay. And when you look at the the growth that your typical client uh, generates over time mm-hmm. of being on the platform, what what is kind of the average what that a that a person could expect? So um, typically, once the, the merchant comes on board, you know, they're, they're well versed, they optimize their channels. We have our uh, account managers to kind of guide them as well. Um, they are able to see at least a 20-30% growth in their sales. And then from there, they're pretty much independent to run their own strategies to grow further. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. I, I want to wrap up here with a couple of questions, my typical closing questions, if I may. Sure. Uh, the first one is, what is the tech tool that you cannot live without? Um, so the tech tool, is it like a gadget or like a software? <laughs> what, whatever whatever in your life that's technology related <laughs> that if I took away, you might as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would say my phone. <laughs> Uh, that's the first thing I reach for when I wake up and, you know, is emails, WhatsApp. These are the main two channels. Um, I, our team uses, you know, your typical um, ClickUp, GitHub, so on and so forth. But that's more day-to-day operations that I, I'm no longer kind of part of at this stage. So Perfect. email and WhatsApp, yeah, mostly. Perfect. So if you were to have a conversation with with another startup founder out there that's just getting started, what is the biggest piece of advice that you could offer? Well, um, it took me a long, long time to get there. But uh, the advice I would give is you miss 100% of the chances not taken. And I, I always say this to my team because uh, many of them, this could be their first job or this could be their first role in a startup company. So they always have this fear of what if I do something wrong and cause the company to lose money or cause the client to lose money. Um, and they have, sometimes they have this phobia that they can't even start to plan. So my advice to them is always 
but you haven't even started what are you afraid of so you definitely will miss all the chances that you've never taken you haven't even started literally so there's nothing to fear yeah if yeah. you never if you never start you basically are guaranteed to fail uh, yep yep <laughs> This uh, this has been this has been fantastic. I, I really appreciate you joining. There's a lot of great pieces of information through this. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, thank you, Kevin, for having uh, me. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of the Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Brockland from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.